going to read verses 6 through 10 of Galatians chapter 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Taught us tonight, investing for a spiritual harvest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time that we have set aside to look in your word. I pray that you speak to our hearts, challenge us, encourage us. And Father, I pray that you would help each of us to invest for a spiritual harvest, knowing that our reward is sure with you. So just to maybe allow you to teach us and instruct us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to speak on a topic tonight that I just soon not but it's in the Bible. And knowing that we at Lighthouse Baptist Church desire the whole counsel of God, well, I'm going to proceed. You know, when I wasn't the pastor, it was easier to speak on such things. But, uh, of course, Pastor Bob Mitchell gave me some encouragement one time. He, he was talking to another pastor, and his pastor told him he never preaches on this subject. And he said, Brother, you're robbing your people, of the blessing of God. And so, investing in the ministry for a spiritual harvest. And really what the, verse 6 particularly, and of course the, the following in the context is talking about paying those who minister to you with the word. The word communicate has the idea of sharing uh, of your things. And, and Paul uses that word when he writes to other churches, as we'll see, to demonstrate the same thing. So I want to notice five things tonight. I think I have five. Five things tonight. First of all, uh, communicating it is commanded to provide for the ministry. Notice verse 6 again says, Let him who is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And again, the word communicate means to distribute or to share with another. And so let him that is taught in the word, communicate unto him that teacheth. So, so I'm, I'm teaching you, and you're to communicate to me that teaches. That's the idea, or to share. And of course, in Philippians chapter 4, and when Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, in Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 14 through 19, <clears throat> he talks about this. And, of course, this was the church, remember, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that Paul wrote about that gave out of their poverty. And, and he says there in verse 14 of Philippians 4, Notwithstanding ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Again, they were sharing, and he tells us what that exactly was. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again on my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Pastor the things which were sent 
from you an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So they, these, this church at Philippi communicated to Paul more than once. In other words, they sent money for him to meet his needs as he traveled in missionary work and planting churches and so on. And Paul also wrote to the church at Corinth. And here in particular, in this passage, 1 Corinthians 9, he's talking to them, again, about paying those that minister to them and minister the word. In 1 Corinthians 9, verses 7 through 14, Who goeth a warfare at any time of his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox, the mouth of the ox that turneth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap of your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that they which minister about the holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So again, he makes reference to an ox that treads out of the corn as an illustration. He also makes reference to the priests who ministered at the temple. They were, their livelihood was supplied by the offerings that the people brought in. They took part, part of that offering that was part of what the offering was given was for the priests. And you know, from the study of the book of Nehemiah, when when uh, that wasn't being properly done, the Levites had to go off, go back to their fields, and 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 were forsaking the work of the temple because they had to they had to live some way. And uh, no, they were supposed to be supplied by the offerings and these. So it is commanded here of the Lord to provide for those that minister or those that teach in the Word. It also demonstrates your sincere love for the truth. Notice verses seven and eight. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now we often pull those two verses out of its context and make many applications of life, which, which are true. But in its context, it's talking about investing in the ministry, taking care of those who teach, and it's, it's, it says you're, you're, you're sowing to the Spirit by doing that. And so it really demonstrates your sincere love for the truth. Uh, in writing to the church of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13, Paul said, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and esteem thee very high in love for the work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. In Hebrews 13, 16, But to do good and to communicate, there's our word, forget not, for such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And so, you know, it's interesting in, in Hebrews 13, he makes reference to the elders that are among you, or bishops, I'm trying to remember the word that's used there, I think it's elders, uh, 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 that rule over you, or the over, I think my, my one place is even overseer. Anyway, he, he uses it three or four times, and in that context he says, do good, 
and to communicate or such sacrifices. And of course, you know, the Philippians gave sacrificially, and it is a sacrifice, but it is good to communicate not, and not to forget to communicate. One commentator said this, speaking of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6, this passage, he said this, I quote, I have, wondered what, what, I have often wondered why all the apostles reiterated this request with such embarrassing frequency. We have come to understand what is so necessary to repeat the admonition of this verse. When Satan cannot suppress the preaching of the gospel by force, he tries to accomplish this purpose by striking the ministers of the gospel with poverty. Unquote. Um, so, it, it does demonstrate love for the true when you seek to invest or sow to the Spirit by communicating unto them that teach. Uh, so so it, you know, it's, it's obedience to the truth of the Word of God. And as we'll see a little later on, it's to your benefit. Uh, then the third thing I want to notice here, it is a spiritual investment that reaps dividends. Again, in verse 8, it says, He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Um, in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 10, you know, Paul there, writing to the, again to the church at Corinth in their second epistle, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 10, he challenges them. He says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposes his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And I've often said, if you can't give it willingly, you might as well keep it. There's no reward in it. If what you do for the Lord is out of grudge, out of a grudge, or you don't really want to do it, you might as well not do it. It won't be rewarded. No, he says it needs to be willingly of a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Notice he said, you know, he that ministered the seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So, it is a spiritual investment that does reap dividends. When Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, in the verses we just read, he says, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. To your account. You hence, you know, when you think about him writing to the church at Philippi, and and what he and they had given sacrificially, hence the exceeding great and precious promise that we all like to proclaim or claim. But my God shall supply all your needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You see, that promise is given because of what they did, because of their love for the Lord, their obedience to the Lord. God promises to supply their meat their their needs. You know, somebody has said, you know, money can buy a bed, but not sleep. Money can buy food, but not appetite. Money can buy a house, but not a home. Money can buy medicine, but not health. Money can buy amusement and pleasure, but not happiness. 
Money can buy gifts, but not love. Money can buy a cross or crucifix, but not a savior. Money can spoil children, but cannot make them children of God. You see, we need to invest in spiritual things. We need to make spiritual investments. The story is told of two men driving through a beautiful estate, crowned by a lovely mansion with fertile fields all around it. The man asked his companion, companion, what is the value of this great estate? His friend replied, I cannot tell you the value of it, but I can tell you what it cost the owner. He said, what? He said it cost him everything he had. It cost him his soul. You know, Mark 8.36 says, What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? One commentator said, To regard sharing in all good things with him who teaches as a waste is to mock God. It is selfishness that mocks God's generosity towards those who give to him. See, it's not me. It's not, it's not the one you're teaching that you're giving to. It's, it's the Lord. It's obedience to him. And the Lord will reward it. Paul's point is that God's people should not share in all good things with him who teaches because it is good for the teacher. They should do it because it is good for the one who is taught and shares. And the principle of reaping and sowing demonstrates this. And so that's why he used the illustration of reaping what we sow. And you, know, and you, you always reap what you sow, and you always reap more than you sow. And you always reap later than you sow. And that brings me to my fourth point. It should not be considered on a trial basis. You know, I've known people that have tried Christianity. They tried it. They tried it for a while. Well, God isn't interested in trying it. God's interested in our surrender. He's interested in our obedience. Verse 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The word do means, actually it is, it is the Greek word is duh, uh, but it means appropriate to one's own. So you're going to reap what's due you. So it's related to what you give. So it's appropriate to what's one's own. That's what's due. And of course, due season at its proper time. You know, Galatians 4, 4 says, when the fullness of time was some come, uh, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. First uh, Timothy 2, 6 says, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Ecclesiastes 1, 3, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. So, so, and anyone who, who invests knows it takes time. It doesn't work to say, you know, God's not interested in deals. You know, some people like to make deals. You know, our president used to talk about how he can make a deal. Well, that may be okay in the business world, but God doesn't make deals. He says, you obey me. Some, you know, some say, I'll try it for six months, or I'll try it for a year. I'll give my tithe and offering and see if it works out. That's not surrender. That's not being yielded. That's not really investing. You know, any, anybody that knows investing knows you, you're in it for the long haul. 
You're in for the long haul. And, and your investment, your investment in the ministry is not for the purpose of prospering you financially. That ought not be what you're seeking. Now, God may. You may prosper financially, but that should not be your reason for investing. You know, if, if you wouldn't get a tax deduction, would you still give? Uh, it is for your spiritual growth, it, for your, your family, it speaks, and it's, it's for eternal rewards. In investment in ministry, dad, mom, speaks volumes to your children. It speaks volumes. It tells them where your heart is. You know, Billy Graham says some good things once in a while. One thing I agree with him that he said one time was, if, if God has your pocketbook, he probably has your heart. Matthew 6, 6, 19, 21 says, Lend up yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves broke through and steal. But let up yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, nor thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it speaks volumes of what, where our heart is. Whether we're sowing to the Spirit, we're willing to communicate to them that teacheth. You know, many times it brings, when, when, when families, dad and moms have, are serious about this and, 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 and uh, invest spiritually, many times it brings a desire for those children to serve in the ministry. And like I said before, if you begrudge it, you may turn them away. So it should not be considered on a trial basis. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, I'll be honest with you, sometimes it gets discouraging. I'm not talking about my salary either. I'm talking about the work of the ministry. You know, we had two follow-ups from last day's visitation. One of them won't answer the phone. The other one I talked to had three, four excuses why he couldn't meet. He yet told the person that he'd be interested in, in, in a sit-down. But his parting words were, when I get a chance, if I, if I can work it in, I'll call you. Well, anybody that told, has told me something like that has never called me back. It's discouraging. But we're not to be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, ours is to be faithful to the Lord and let the rewarding up to him. So it should not be considered on a trial basis. Fifthly, we must take advantage of the opportunities we have. Notice, drop down to verse 10. <clears throat> As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. As we have, therefore, opportunity. You know, we, are, we are to do good to everyone at every opportunity we have. We are to do, you know, the Bible tells us we're to do good. We ought to be known as people 
that do good. In Matthew chapter 5, under the Sermon on the Mount, excuse me, the Lord instructed his disciples in verses 8 through 12 and then verses 43 to 48. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, and so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So, you know, if we're peacemakers, we're not stirring up trouble. Uh, <clears throat> and and we, we ought to try and live peaceably of all men, as much as lieth in us. Of course, Romans tells us that in Romans chapter 12. And then if you drop down to verse 43, he says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So we're not to be like the world. We're to, we even, we're to even to love our enemies. We're to hate the sin, but we're to love the sinner. You know, sometimes the world has trouble, you know, differentiating between, between the two. Sometimes they think because we hate certain things, or we we won't we won't uh, uh, go along with or endorse certain things, certain lifestyles, homosexuality, and, and all that sort of thing, this transgenderism, and all this this stuff that's going on in our world today. Because we won't endorse such things or cooperate with it, we hate them. But that's not so. I I'm sure you have as well as I. You've witnessed somebody's living in a gross sin. What is that? Why would you witness to them? Because you care about their soul. Because you care about your soul. Yeah, they accused the Lord Jesus of keeping company with publicans and sinners. Why was he keeping company with publicans and sinners? Because he cared about their soul. He had compassion upon them. So we are to do good to everyone. You know, David returned good to Saul for his evil. Even though Saul was out to kill him. Abraham, you know, returned good to Lot, even though Lot was selfish and took the best of the land. Abraham uh, had enough concern and care for Lot that he risked his own life and his own servants to, to go, out, go to battle and bring Lot back, who had been taken captive. So we are, as we have opportunity, we're to do good to all men everyone we meet but we're also to especially do good to them that are a household of faith uh, the word especially means chiefly or above all the household of faith refers to devoted to or adherence of a thing and look look at first uh, Corinthians chapter 16 first Corinthians chapter 16 we find an example of somebody who was adhered to uh, or was devoted to 
the church there at Corinth. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 15. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you submit yourselves unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us, and laboreth. So here was the household of Stephanus, and they had addicted themselves. Now, uh, the word addicted has the idea they had, a, they had been appointed, ordained, or chosen. And the two words together have the idea they've been appointed, ordained, or chosen, and then they were giving themselves to that which they'd been appointed to. So I think it's rather obvious that Stephanus was a pastor at the church of Corinth. He was a minister of the church of Corinth, and he had, he had addicted himself. He had been appointed, and he had given himself to the ministry there of the saints. And so Paul says, you need to submit yourselves unto such and everyone that help, helpeth uh, with us. So, and we, so his point here in, in Galatians chapter six, 6 and verse 10 in context is, we're, yes, we are to do good to all men, but we're to especially take care of those who are of the household of faith that have devoted themselves to the ministry of the word. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders that rule well be kind of worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. And go to, go to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. You know, I, I feel a little bit like I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but this is what in the Bible. So, uh, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, it says, In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected at the daily ministration. Now, you understand this church had grew to thousands. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. For we, but we will give ourselves, notice this, this verse, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and he chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So here you have a situation of, of uh, uh, needed widows that are being neglected, or haven't been taken care of. You remember the when with due to the persecution that arose in the early church, um, they had all things common. Others, people that had uh, great possessions, like Barnabas, he sold a parcel of land, brought the money, and gave it to the apostles so that they could uh, supply the needs of those who 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 were without. You know, in those days, if you got saved and got baptized, you may have lost your job, you may have lost your your home, you may have lost. Uh, you know, your source of income, who knows what all. And, and so this was a situation, and, and they had these widows that they were taking care of, and they're being neglected because of the, the volume of the responsibility. The disciples couldn't do it all. And the disciples said, look, you need to appoint some men to do this job because it's not our responsibility. We need to give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. 
You know, we need to be like Stephanus, who addicted himself to the ministry. A church is to provide for its pastor so they can give themselves constant attention to the ministry. So that, so that they can give themselves continually to the ministry of the word so that they can feed the flock of God. Now, I, I have learned, I used to think that, you know, I could get a sermon together in you know short short period of time. I could. I still could. It just wouldn't be much help to you. I heard an evangelist, a well-known evangelist say one time, he said, the reason people are attracted to these evangelicals is because their sermons are very polished. They spend... 15 to 20 hours on a sermon. And he said, we fundamentalists, is the word he used, we're too busy trying to win the world. We're not properly prepared. Feed the sheep. You know, first... 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor. It takes labor. It takes work. They who labor in the word and doctrine. I had an older gentleman one time when I was in Maine told me, and I was talking about this very thing, about time and, and spending time studying, and he said, I can tell. He wasn't being critical. He was just telling me, I can tell when you have more time. And I'm not saying that to criticize Lighthouse Baptist Church. You've done very well. I'm just saying that's the way it is. That's the way it is. That's, that's what the Bible teaches. You see, it is, it is for the church's profit for a pastor to give himself continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Uh, I found this years ago, a little article titled, titled Praying Preacher Strong. It's written by W. E. McCumber. Not sure who that was. But anyway, it goes like this, quote, when once, when, when, once when he was preaching in Ireland, Charles Wesley found himself sick and weak. After spending a night and day in pain, he faced an audience of 10,000 in outdoor service. He read his text faintly. Then he reports, they observed my weakness and prayed me strong. The victorious service consumed two hours. The next day, Wesley rose at two and traveled all day. He wrote in his journal, my pain was kept off by the prayers of those I left behind. I'd like to know what he was taking. Uh, blessed is a preacher whose listeners can pray him strong when he is weak, whether his weakness is physical, intellectual, or spiritual. Every preacher who ever achieves significant results in kingdom work owes much to the prayers of devout and humble laymen. Dr. J.B. Chapman told about a church that always had a good preacher. One of the members was asked how they managed to be so fortunate. He replied, we make our preacher a good preacher. All we ask is that we have a man who is earnest and who has it in him to make good, then we make him good. We pay him a good salary, look after his physical com comforts and conveniences so that he has no worry about those matters. Then we pray hard for him. We keep him encouraged. We boost him and advertise him. He is our man. His success is our success. So we just see to it that he is a good preacher and that everybody knows he's a good preacher. We make him a good preacher. Wow, fortunate is a preacher whose people have such grace and wisdom. In such a context, he can do effective work if his brain and conscience are alive. That's my trouble sometimes. There are no preachers without weaknesses, some occasional, some chronic. 
Therefore, there are no preachers who do not need lay friends who observe the weaknesses and pray them strong. I speak from long experience. Whatever I have achieved in my ministry owes far more to the prayers of laymen than to my own skills and efforts. Thank God for such support. Without it, I would have floundered awkwardly in the quagmire of repeated failures. Unquote. So, invest for a spiritual harvest. That's what we need to be doing. Endeavoring to do. And I thank God that you take care of me and appreciate it very much. But uh, I, I also ask that you pray for me, and I'm sure you do. But uh, we need to pray and, and be willing to invest uh, for a spiritual harvest. Uh, we need to be willing to communicate of what God has given us because of what he is giving to us uh, through, the, through uh, those that teach and instruct in the word of God. It shows, again, it's commanded. It demonstrates your sincere love for the truth. It's a, it's a spiritual investment that reaps spiritual dividends. Again, don't think because you invest in ministry that you're going to get rich. That ought not be your reason. God may give you riches, but that ought not to be our reason. And it should not be considered on a trial basis and, and, and then number five, we must take advantage of the opportunities we have. And now is our opportunity. Now is our time. Uh, we need to use the opportunities that we have to be obedient to what the Lord has given us uh, to fulfill in his word and uh, just be obedient to it. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time and the opportunity we have to be in your word tonight. And I pray you help us as your people uh, just to be faithful and be obedient to each do our part that the ministry might go forward and prosper. Uh, under our head, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us all to be faithful. Help me to be faithful to study and to give himself continually to prayer and the ministry of the word that your people might grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and that your word will go forth in power and spirit and bring forth fruit. So we just thank you again for the time of your word tonight. We pray in Jesus' name.